Good afternoon, and welcome to the PowerSchool third quarter 2023 earnings conference call. All participants will be in listen-only mode. Should you need assistance, please signal a conference specialist by pressing the star key followed by zero. After today's presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To ask a question, you may press star then one on your telephone keypad. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. Please note, this event is being recorded. I would now like to turn the conference over to Shane Harrison, Senior Vice President, Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Thank you, Operator. Welcome, everyone, to Power School's earnings conference call for the third quarter ended September 30th, 2023. I wanted to first let you know that we posted a slide deck to the Investor Relations section of our website that accompanies our remarks here. On the call today, we have Power School CEO Hardeep Gulati and President and CFO Eric Shander. Before getting started, I'd like to emphasize that this call, including the Q&A portion, will include statements related to the expected future results for our company, which are therefore forward-looking statements. Our actual results may differ materially from our projections due to a number of risks and uncertainties. The risks and uncertainties that forward-looking statements are subject to are described in our earnings release and other SEC filings. Today's remarks will also include references to non-GAAP financial measures, Additional information, including definitions and reconciliations between non-GAAP financial information to the GAAP financial information is provided in the corresponding press release and results presentation, which are both posted on PowerSchool's Investor Relations website at investors.powerschool.com. A replay of this call will also be posted to the same website. I will now turn the call over to Hardy. Thank you, Shane, and thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Our school third quarter was a continuation of the momentum we have been building over the past few quarters with meaningful growth in revenue and profitability. K-12 organizations are accelerating the adoption of our platform to become more efficient and effective, and this is enhancing our ability to execute on our strategies for growth. Our third quarter results are summarized on slide four of the posted earning presentation. Revenue was up 12% year over year $282 million, exceeding the high end of our guidance. Product-level growth was diversified with double-digit growth in many of our cloud solutions. Adjusted EBITDA was well ahead of our guidance, reaching $62 million, representing 19% growth over Q3 of 2022, and a 34% margin. We also saw record cash flow in the quarter while continuing to invest in our game-changing product innovations. ARR grew over 9% year-over-year and was up sequentially in Q3, which is seasonally our lowest quarter for new business as districts are focused on back-to-school opening logistics. We continue to see low double-digit growth in the ARR for the full year excluding school messengers' contribution. These results showcase the momentum we have created in driving sustainable long-term growth. Let me now discuss our customer and product momentum in the third quarter, summarized on slide five, where we had meaningful customer activity that demonstrated many of our go-to-market strategies. The biggest notable win in Q3 was with the state of Florida Department of Education for several of our talent solutions that will help the state with their recruiting and hiring processes as the industry is experiencing a shortage of talent. The Florida Consortium Job Board will serve all 67 districts, six special school districts, and over 700 charter schools 
in the state of Florida to source all talent from all over the country in order to fill vacancies for all job types in the state. This is a competitive replacement of an existing solution and speaks to the strength of the innovation and the capabilities of our talent cloud offerings. Florida is a great new logo win and another key new state-level contract. With the Florida win, we have now won a state or a territory-level deal in nine state quarters. Additionally, we have been given vendor of choice for a state-level special education solution for another state in the Midwest, which we hope to get through signature and approvals in Q4 or early Q1. These states and large deals are very strategic and provide us an opportunity to further expand our customer footprint and cross-sell across all the districts and schools in these states. The scalable nature of our platform, the diverse best-in-class footprint, and the differentiated innovations are driving the momentum for these state-level deals. Our strong double-digit revenue growth in the quarter was across most of our clouds with strong performance in our student information cloud, student success cloud, and talent cloud. The mission criticality of our core platform, the organic innovations of data and insight solutions, and our timely add-on acquisitions like curriculum planning and attendance intervention are addressing the most urgent critical needs of the districts. Take, for example, year-to-date, attendance intervention bookings are up 68% year-over-year. Curriculum and instruction bookings grew 200% year-over-year, and talent bookings are up 21% year-to-date versus the same period last year. As we shared during our last earnings call, as well as on our investor day, our data-centric solutions are the key part of our long-term growth algorithm. In the third quarter, five of our largest 10 means by ARR included insights or connected intelligence report. This included cross-sells of both insights and connected intelligence to Modesto City School District, Colorado Springs School District 11, and Cherokee County School District 1. These are technology-minded districts that were already using five to 10 of our platform solutions and are a great example of how districts of all sizes are seeing the benefit of using our data-centric tools to aggregate, secure, analyze, and present their data for making better decisions for their students and teachers. A key value proposition of our data product is also that we are enabling these districts with a data-as-a-service platform to power their AI strategies. With our connected intelligence data-like solution, we're enabling more secure and efficient way for our customers to bring AI to their data rather than their data to the AI tools. We continue to innovate on our extensive multiple product AI-centered personalized education roadmap. In this quarter, we are doing general availability of our first generative AI-based solution for item and passive generation tool as an add-on for our performance matter assessment product after a very successful beta trial. Additionally, this month we are kicking off beta trials for two other AI products. First is the ability for educators to interact with student data sets using natural language to ask questions and uncover key insights. This functionality will be an add-on to our connected intelligence and other products, which will save educators and administrators a tremendous amount of time digging through their massive data sets to find the anomalies, focal areas, and other insights into student academic and behavior progress. 
Also this month, we plan to release the beta for our first version of Personalized Homework Assistant, a Gen AI tool for Schoology that understands the context of what is being taught in the classroom and provides assistance to the students who may be stuck on a homework concept. Next, I would like to update you on the progress of our recent M&A activity, as shown on slide six. Since the end of Q2, we have acquired two companies, starting with the completion of the exciting acquisition of School Messenger in October. As with all our acquisitions, the first stage of our integration process centers on people and UI harmonization, and our particular focus with School Messenger is building the deep integration of their direct communication capabilities into our new MyPowerSchool single pane of glass portal for parents, students, and teachers. As most parents can attest, the communication process between teachers, families, and their schools is disjointed and often confusing. By adding School Messenger to PowerSchool, and particularly the MyPowerSchool portal, we are uniquely positioned to create the most differentiated and comprehensive portal for centralized and efficient school parent communications. This will supercharge the parent, student, teacher communications and therefore drive meaningfully deeper engagement, a leading driver of student success. During the third quarter, we also acquired NeverSkip, an India-based K-12 ERP and administration software provider. The addition of NeverSkip provides us with a localized and high-quality ERP and SIS product for the large India K-12 market that is expandable and scalable with PowerSchool's complementary platform of solutions. This addition expands our reach in India by 1.2 million students. Turning now to our broader global international expansion on slide six. As we discussed at our investor day, we are approaching targeted regions with a direct sales model, while in others we are building our go-to-market with channel partners. Since our last earnings call in August, we are thrilled to have signed up six additional partners, bringing our total to 11 so far well ahead on our plan to sign 12 by the end of the year. For the Middle East and Africa regions, we aligned with CCS for the Egypt market and Bhavan Cybertech for Oman and the UAE. In Asia, we signed an agreement with BNET, who will resell PowerSchool products in Hong Kong, Singapore, and the Philippines. Our first partner in Europe, Gear Education, will focus on selling in Greece and Cyprus. For the Brazil market, a country with over 37 million primary and secondary school students, we are aligned with LearnBase. And finally, in the Netherlands, we selected Glen Cook Technologies as our latest channel partner. We look forward to onboarding each of these and our other partners in the coming quarters with the goal of driving meaningful growth of PowerSchool outside of North America. These third quarter successes are driven by the strategies we presented at our Investor Day in September, when we outlined our vision to personalize education, as well as our three-year path to a billion dollar in revenue and adjusted EBITDA margin in the upper 30s, as summarized on slide seven. At the event, we showcased our unique and differentiated position as the most comprehensive vertical SaaS platform for a very durable K-12 end market. We discussed how we remain underpenetrated at roughly 6% of the $10.5 billion addressable U.S. and Canada K-12 
through 12 software market. And how this term expands nearly 10 times to 100 billion when you consider our opportunities in international expansion and personalized education. We articulated our go-to-market strategy, reviewed key growth drivers, and detailed our playbook for expanding internationally through multiple channels. We also showed our product roadmap, including many of the exciting GenAI and personalized education products that we believe will transform the future of the industry. Then Eric wrapped up the day by laying out clear midterm financial targets, including the detailed levers we will employ to generate over $1 billion in revenue by 2026 while expanding EBITDA and free cash flow margins. For anyone who has not reviewed the Investor Day presentation, we encourage you to do so via our Investor Relations website. Q3 was a great quarter for PowerSchool. Our teams have built momentum in many facets of our business. We continue to build scale and execute efficiently deliver meaningful value for our customers, and develop our global reach. I'm confident in driving durable and efficient growth in both our top and bottom lines. With that, let me pass the call over to Eric to cover the financial performance for the quarter. Thank you, Hardeep. We delivered a strong third quarter highlighted by double-digit revenue growth, margin expansion, and record cash flow generation. We saw balanced demand across our product portfolio during a busy back-to-school season with particular strength in our data and analytics solutions. As summarized on slide 8, we delivered third quarter total revenue of $182 million, representing a 12% year-over-year increase and exceeding the high end of our guidance range we provided in the last earnings call. Subscription support grew 9% year-over-year to $149 million and accounted for 82% of total revenue in the quarter, driven by a strong renewal season, good bookings activity, in which our teams drove ARR through new logos, cross-sell, and upsell. Services revenue totaled $21 million in the quarter, representing 4% growth over the same time period last year, which continues to reflect the efficiency and increased productivity of our services organization. Revenue from license and other totaled $12.5 million for the quarter, more than doubling over the same time period last year. The main driver was the delivery of our new solution of attendance and security tracking across all schools in Puerto Rico. We ended the quarter with an annual recurring balance of $640 million, representing a 9% year-over-year increase as we continue to acquire new logos, cross-sell, and upsell to existing customers and maintain strong retention rates. As we've discussed previously, the quarterly variability is attributed to seasonality and the timing of our larger and strategic deals. We continue to expect low double-digit growth in ARR for the full year, excluding the addition of the ARR from School Messenger, which closed early in the fourth quarter. Our net revenue retention rate came in at 107.2%, down 150 basis points year-over-year, however, up 160 basis points from Q3 of 2021. As I've discussed previously, we can see a sequential NRR decline in Q3 given that a high volume of our renewals occurring during the third quarter, and in Q3 of 2022, we had the benefit of two very large deals impacting this metric. 
Adjusted gross profit for the quarter came in at $129 million with a 71% margin, representing a 260 basis point year-over-year improvement driven by continued operational scale and lowering hosting costs. Moving to the third quarter operating expenses, non-GAAP research and development expense came in at $23 million, representing 12.4% of revenue compared with 13.9% in the same time period last year. This 150 basis point reduction in adjusted R&D as a percentage of revenue reflects the efficiency and improved cost profile of our R&D model while we continue to invest in game-changing innovation to drive long-term growth. Including capitalized R&D expenses, the total invested in R&D was 17.2% of revenue compared with 21.5% last year, representing a 430 basis point improvement. Non-GAAP SG&A expense totaled $45 million in the third quarter, representing 24.6% of revenue, compared with $37 million or 22.8% of revenue in the third quarter of last year. The increase reflects investments we are making in our sales and marketing organization and our international go-to-market activities that will drive long-term growth. Third quarter adjusted EBITDA exceeded the high end of our guidance range coming in at $62 million, representing a 34% margin, which was 190 basis points better than last year and driven by our continued focus on cost management and a strong performance in LNR revenue. Non-GAAP net income in the third quarter was $0.24 cents per fully diluted share, up $0.03 cents or 15% from the $0.21 cents per diluted share we had in the same time period last year. Free cash flow in the third quarter, which is seasonally our strongest cash flow quarter, was a record $211 million compared with $174 million in the same time period last year. Our free cash flow margin for the nine months ended September 30th, 2023, with 19% compared with 15% in the same time period last year. Strong collections and working capital improvements contributed to the free cash flow increase. Moving to the balance sheet. We ended the quarter with $323 million in cash and equivalents, an increase of 197% over the same time period last year. This balance included the upsized $100 million term loan, which we used to finance the school messenger acquisition in Q4. Net debt leverage at the end of the quarter was 2.3 times compared with 3.6 times a year earlier. Now turning to our fourth quarter and full year 2023 financial outlook on slide nine. For the fourth quarter, we expect total revenue in the range of $182 million to $185 million representing 14% year-over-year growth at the midpoint, which includes our expectations for School Messenger. This outlook also includes our expectation that both services and license and other revenue will be lower than the prior year. This is due to our services team continuing to improve their productivity levels and the timing of L&O revenue in the fourth quarter. We expect fourth quarter adjusted EBITDA to be in the range of $56 million to $58 million representing a 31.1% margin at the midpoint. This guidance includes the platform integration investments we are making in the school messenger business that Hardeep mentioned. For the full year 2023, we are increasing our guidance ranges for both revenue and adjusted EBITDA. 
For 2023 revenue, we now expect to finish in the range of $697.5 million to $700.5 million, representing an 11% growth at the midpoint. For the full year 2023 adjusted EBITDA, we now expect to finish in the range of $229 million to $231 million, representing a 32.9% margin at the midpoint which represents a 40 basis point improvement from our original guidance at the beginning of the year and includes all of the school messenger investments we are making in the fourth quarter. For modeling purposes, we expect full year capital expenditures, including capitalized software of approximately 40 million to 42 million and share-based compensation expense of approximately 64 million to $67 million. Fully diluted shares by the end of the year are expected to be in the range of 202 million to 205 million shares. Overall, we're pleased with the results we saw in Q3. Our teams are executing the strategies for revenue and profit growth very well. I'm particularly happy with our progress on cash flow throughout the year. We're looking forward to finishing 2023 strong, where we expect to deliver low double-digit growth in ARR and meaningful margin expansion. This financial momentum reflects our strong business model and their ability to grow both top line and profitability while continuing to invest significantly in long-term growth with our next generation product investments, which we believe will position PowerSchool, our customers, and students all over the world for a long future of success. I will stop here and ask the operator to please open the line for Q&A. We will now begin the question and answer session. To ask a question, you may press star then one on your telephone keypad. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing the keys. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. Our first question today is from Sackett Kalia with Barclays. Please go ahead. Okay, great. Hey guys, thanks for taking my questions here and, and solid uh, solid quarter. Thanks, Akit. Hey, uh, hey, Hardeep, maybe we'll start with you. Um, you know, I, one, one of your competitors just recently kind of called out a little bit more activity in, in the K through 12 uh, uh, market um, because of sort of ESSER funding and, and the associated timelines. Now, I think you and the Power School team have been very consistent in sort of, you know, talking about it as a as a as a helpful item, right? But not necessarily as discrete of a catalyst. But I'm just wondering, right? As as we kind of get deeper and deeper into that into that timeline, can you just talk about what Power School is is seeing seeing from from that, just anecdotally? Yeah, sure, Sakit. I think it's very consistent with what we have been saying, uh, and we recently have talked about it in our investor day too is that it is a helpful item. It provides a good cushion for school districts, especially as they came out of pandemic. Uh, there's been a lot of good investments around how, not just kind of on the school operations, the teachers and uh, services, but also on how to make sure that you can extract the learning gains for the students. And um, as we've talked about, that it uh, remains as a nice cushion to the overall funding environment. But as you know, our software is more for subscription software and you do need the long-term commitment for that. So most of the districts would actually spend our dollars for our software for over their long budget. With that said, if there is an implementation or early deployments, they might use their funds to be able to uh, get that uh, going as well. And uh, we do see some benefits out there, especially on some of the projects, but we, we have been, uh, it hasn't had any material impact. 
We do see that for another year, as uh, you mentioned, that there is still about a good chunk which is not spent. Some of that has been earmarked, but there's still areas that district continue to look at that. And we do get to, uh, you know, provide a lot of services and support for uh, districts around that as well. Got it. Got it. That's that, that's uh, that's very helpful, Eric. Maybe maybe for you for my follow up. Um, can you just remind us kind of how much School Messenger is is adding to to ARR revenue and 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 EBITDA this year? And I know that it's too early to kind of guide to 24, but how should we sort of be thinking about School Messenger on sort of an annual basis as we layer into our models? Yeah, hey, Socket, uh, good to hear from you. So, um, you know, as we've been talking uh, to, to all of you when we were looking at the uh, School Messenger business, you know, one of the things that really attracted us to this um, company, not only just the strategic fit, but also the profitability of the business. Um, so I, what I would say in terms of the best proxy for looking at the financials is if you take the uh, uh, PwC uh, or the, the uh, PowerSchool, um, you know, uh, EBITDA multiples, assume a couple turns better, you can get, if you will, I think a nice framework for the way to think about the financials. Um, as we continue to, you know, we're knee deep into the, the planning phases right now, so still early stages um, for, for 2024, um, but, you know, we're certainly uh, really optimistic in terms of the contribution it's going to have. Um, in terms of ARR, you know, I would, at this point in time, you know, my, my best estimate would be you know, five or so percent um, incremental from an annual perspective. Um, could be a little bit more than that, but we're still kind of working through some of the buildup um, of, the, of the ARR as we work with the uh, school messenger team. Got it. Very helpful. I'll get back in queue. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Second. Thanks, Second. The next question is from Brian Peterson with Raymond James. Please go ahead. Hi, everyone. Thanks for taking the question. So, so Eric, I, I wanted to hit on the ARR trends. I, I know there's some moving parts in the NRR, but we saw that moderate a bit, but ARR growth held relatively steady. Is it fair to read that as kind of the net new was stronger this quarter? Am I reading that right? And if so, uh, any color on what drove that? Yeah, look, we, we have and we continue to see really good momentum um, in, in terms of the net new and you know, as I mentioned in my prepared remarks, you know, we're, we're still um, estimating, you know, ARR to be in the low double digits for the full year. So, you know, really good continued uh, momentum there. You know, one thing just to, you know, for everybody to keep in mind, and you'll recall, you know, last quarter we had the LAUSD um, transaction, which ended up being a license and other opportunity versus, you know, going into ARR. So, Again, there's going to be a couple moving parts related to the to the bigger pieces, but yeah, we did see a you know we did see a good part of you know the uh, net new business in, in the quarter. Great, no, I appreciate the, the perspective on that. And, and Hardeep, it sounds like the international partner transition is ramping up quicker than expected. Does that change the timeline in, in which we should expect revenue uh, on that roadmap? I'd love to get the color there. Thanks, guys. Mm -hmm. Sure. Thanks, Brian. And I, just adding to the last point, Brian, about uh, your question about the net new logo. I think the, one of the in the prepared remarks I talked about Florida DOE deal on talent management. Again, that's a net new logo, sizable, sizable state uh, rollout of our talent solutions of multiple of our talent solutions across the entire state um, for the job board as well as ATS so application tracking for a, a good chunk of the districts in the state. So a great story for our net new logo, and we you know, saw a few more of that as well. So moving to the other question you were asking about the international, absolutely, we are actually ahead. Uh, in fact, I think we are uh, literally uh, in hours away from signing up a 12th one, so we basically would have 
all of our 12 uh, partners we were initially targeting, and I probably exceed that for the year as well. And the more importantly is that we have, uh, you know, one of our key strategic element was coverage and having these strategic exclusive partners that is covering, allowing us to cover the most of the important global growth markets that we wanted to, uh, you know, re really make a mark. And we have done a phenomenal job of getting that. There is still a lot of hard work to get these partners fully enabled, get them the sales engine going. We're already seeing some of traction of that within the quarter, especially in Egypt, for example, or partner, we already kind of had a good enablement and, and good traction on some of the deals, Saudi Arabia being another one. And we are seeing uh, similarly Latin America to be a bright spot. I think if you look through the international traction, look through our India push both acquisition as well as organic, I, I think we do think uh, it is setting us up pretty well for, for next year growth. Um, and uh, we do expect that to be kind of a uh, little slightly ahead of the plan, but more, I would say, over the, you know, what we've talked about three to five years, we will be about 80 to $100 million of business. I think we'll be very much on track on it. Thanks, Rudy. Thank you. The next question is from Ryan McDonald with Needham & Company. Please go ahead. Uh, thanks for taking my questions, and uh, congrats on a nice quarter here. Uh, Hardeep, I'm curious on the on the India acquisition, you know, what sort of drove the decision of, of sort of buying versus partnering as you're entering that market? And and as we think about sort of guidance, or not guidance for next year, but, but fourth quarter, um, how, how much revenue and sort of uh, margin are you expecting from a contribution perspective from that acquisition. Thanks. Sure. I, I can start that, and I'll ask Eric to feel free to jump in as well on the numbers. So, Ryan, I think on the when you look at from the India market, first to just define you the market, it's actually one of the largest education markets in the world, right? 230 million K-12 through students. 50 million plus of them are in actually private schools. Um, so it's a very, you know, think about it from a size perspective, as big as U.S., just in a private school market itself, even outside the government schools as well. Um, so it is very attractive market for us. We also have a pretty sizable presence with our offshore center uh, with almost, uh, you know, 1,200 plus people there. So we have a very strong capabilities to, to excel there. We have, uh, over, the, over the last uh, couple of quarters, as we have uh, put boots on ground on sales side, we actually saw pretty good traction of our Schoology product. We saw a lot of good traction on some of our uh, even interest in analytics. But one of the areas we would continuously get on this SI side was a little bit more localization required, as, especially around ERP payments and some of the transportation and other logistics element for the local. So what we looked at is that is that it was great to have bring in a, an acquisition, which actually gives us a localization still allows us to bring our broader platform to the India market, especially our uh, classroom and analytics products, marry that with our sits for a larger, bigger opportunities for a more bigger rollout, and you now have a, a perfect combination for something which is not present in the India market. Most of the market who's been addressed for the 50 million is through small uh, small shops. So now this is also, as while it's a, it's a, already has about a million points to students out of the 50 million students we talked about from private school, it's still a small company. So you talk about a couple of dollars per student, uh, typical pricing, right? So it's a very small acquisition, but what it does give us is it gives us about 900 schools proof point where we can cross sell, start selling the broader vision. And also we're looking at more strategic partnerships and for potential future acquisitions so we can kind of fill in the full uh, platform 
including some of the assessments and curriculum around uh, for the for the India market, which will allow us to really enter that market in a big way. So it's an exciting market. I'm really uh, excited about the you know this acquisition. Um, even though it's small, I think it's going to be a very strategic over the long run for us. Yeah, and I would just, um, Ryan, I would just say in terms of, you know, as you think about the financials, you know, as Hardeep mentioned, you know, fairly immaterial, um, as you would expect with any uh, tuck-in that we do. But, again, for all the reasons that Hardeep mentioned, it really, as you bring it into our distribution engine and our ability to be able to scale it, that's what really, you know, gave us access to the 900-plus schools. So, um, the financial contribution will be, you know, relatively immaterial in the fourth quarter. But, you know, again, as we start to scale, as we start to build it up, we'll start to see that momentum really increase as we get into 2024 and beyond. Excellent. Thanks for the caller there. Maybe just as a quick follow-up on School Messenger. Um, I think you talked about that acquisition having the potential to be accretive uh, to overall EBITDA margins. But, but you also talked about sort of deep investment in the near term on, on integrating from a technology perspective is, is, should we expect sort of that accretion to happen in the next couple of quarters out, or, or even with that investment, are you seeing that it be immediately accretive? Thanks. Yes. Yep. So, Ryan, great, great question. Um, so, as you know, one of the things that really got us excited about School Messenger is really bringing it into our my my power school, which is the single pane of view for teachers and students, et cetera. So. Um, we are going to take a quarter or two for some uh, investments that we're making for that integration. Um, but post that, I would say, you know, middle part of next year, you will you will start to see, you know, it be accretive to, to the company. But there is going to be some upfront um, implementation and integration work that we're doing. So it's going to be a quarter or two that, you know, we'll, we'll focus in on that. And then obviously, um, you know, it was a profitable company prior to the acquisition, and, you know, we believe that we will get it back to that spot and, and probably even have some further leverage beyond that. Excellent. Thanks for the color. Congrats again. Thank you. The next question is from Stephen Sheldon with William Blair. Please go ahead. Hi, team. You got Pat McAlee on for Stephen today. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, so just kind of further on some of these prior questions, you put up really nice profit this quarter with an EBITDA margin of 34%. And I know you mentioned there's going to be some expense related to school messenger in the fourth quarter, but uh, that guidance for the quarter implies a margin of, you know, 31%. So just wanted to ask how we should think about that, that step down, um, if that's all or for the most part, school messenger, or whether or not there are any other considerations uh, on that front that are worth calling out? Yeah, no, it's, it, it's a great question. Um, and I think the most important way to kind of think about this, there is there is some timing of activity between Q3 and Q4. As I mentioned in my prepared remarks, um, you know, there was some L&O activity that happened in Q3 that, you know, timing of it could have been Q3, Q4, um, you know, it could have been either or, but we saw some of that happen in Q3. Um, but what I think is most important is if you think about the full year from an adjusted EBITDA perspective, you know, we are raising uh, by $2 million. We are investing in this integration work that, um, you know, that we have. You know, we're super pleased with, you know, the, the Q3 performance. Um, and what I would say is as you think about the full year, we'll end the full year around 33% in total. That's going to be up two points from where we ended uh, full year 2022. Um, which, again, is a full percentage point above our, our financial model. So, you know, we're hitting on all cylinders from a uh, from a profit standpoint. So, 
again, it's just going to be some, some, you know, minor quarter variability, but, you know, I think it's the most important to kind of think about where we're, uh, you know, where we're going to be for the, for the full year. Yep. Understood. Thanks. Thanks, Eric. Um, and then my second question, you said ARR for uh, data products. I think in the past, maybe last quarter was, was up, you know, almost a hundred percent year over year. And it, it sounds like traction there is, continue to be really strong this quarter. Is, is there any additional color you can give on, on what exactly customers are using these products for at this point and then how you might expect that to evolve in the, the coming quarters and years? Sure, Patrick. Um, you, you're absolutely right. Our gold thread continues to be pretty strong. Um, and uh, the multiple use cases we are actually seeing. Uh, we saw a lot of use cases first for uh, understanding student engagement, right, in terms of, hey, where are my students? who's showing up in the class, who's, uh, what kind of performance uh, we have. We saw that use cases further evolve into what we call MTSS, multi-tier system of support. We actually launched this couple uh, two years back and, in fact, had full rollout of this even at a state level in Alabama for the coming school year, where every school district in, in Alabama has a full MTSS support for every, every student, where they can comprehensively look at interventions and support programs for each student. If a kid is not attending, you have a support plans and intervention strategies for that. If a kid is, uh, you know, behind on the academic side, how do you provide support for them? If a kid has social-emotional, uh, you know, what, what support strategies would require for there? And similarly, you know, you can keep going on on career pathways and, and basically driving a very comprehensive way for supporting every student depending upon their individual need, uh, but scaling it to be able to do that at a district level, at a state level, and bringing all the resources. And that has been one of the huge growth areas over the last call it, uh, 12, 18 months. But we're also seeing a huge uh, amount of interest now on uh, connected intelligence, on the data product element where just bringing one uh, data source where it actually is a, a, your data sandbox or it kind of think about your data lake, where you're bringing data not just from PowerSchool systems, from your other systems, being able to have all kind of reporting and correlations, things which you may not even understand of where the, the challenges are, being able to have the data tell you that, and uh, also being able to have that as your data repository for security, uh, being able to have it for your, uh, you know, being able to have a long-term audit uh, as well on that. So it has become a very strong data uh, along with the insight strategy. And we are seeing interest as we talked about the huge LA deal, with Montana deal around not just the data strategy, but tying it up to even uh, uh, workforce planning. So you can have a K through 20 view on your students and understand where the student market, uh, students are and how you're going to support them. So these use cases continue to be really expansive. One of the very exciting things to you in terms of future, what we are seeing is actually interest around AI and how, uh, think about how this uh, connected intelligence is letting districts be able to use a way where they can bring their AI to the data so they can actually run their AI tools on top of a connected intelligence rather than taking all the data and putting in the AI tools and having not, uh, you know, risk of security and everything with the, these uh, new technologies. So that has been also a very strong interest. We do expect we are launching a, a lot of uh, focus on educator uh, analytics as well. That's going to be a phenomenal growth area for, for as well and also on the career in K-20 through broadly. So we, we do see this to be one of our highest growth area, and you're going to see continue very exciting opportunities here. Awesome. That's great. Thanks, Hardeep, and thank you both. Nice quarter. Thank you. Thanks, Patrick. The next question is from Gabriella Borges with Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. 
Hi, this is Callie Valenti on for Gabriella. Um, congrats on the quarter. First one for me would be, you know, since the investor day, I've seen a few more press releases with deals that include kind of SIS plus some of the recent add-on functionality you've acquired or built out, uh, maybe in the classroom space with some of the other modules. Um, they seem very complementary to like the core SIS system though, and wanted to ask how important have these add-on modules been, such as like special programs or behavioral support to the success you've been seeing in SIS and then just more broadly. Uh, great question, Kelly, and uh, great to talk to you. I think, Kelly, one of the things that I remember we talked about in the investor day uh, with you was, uh, you know, our how we are launching our clouds, right, but to, rather than selling individual products, but selling multiple add-on products like forms management, document management, special education. Um, similarly, in the classroom, not just trying to sell LMS or assessment, but also selling curriculum and instruction, selling behavior, as we are looking at the student success, not just MTSs, but also sending attendance interventions uh, so, and, and behavior elements so you can actually look at the holistic way of providing support. We are seeing uh, a good cross-sell of multiple of these modules happening at the same time. So that's what you're observing in the press release and our traction. We also talked about uh, in our prepared remarks that when you look at the growth of some of our add-on acquisition, this is where our strategy is working very well. The timeliness of our innovation on things like MTSs and connecting intelligence, but also our add-on acquisition, like attendance interventions and curriculum, these are very timely based on what we are seeing as one of the key demand in the market. So being able to have the pulse of the 80% of the U.S. market and being able to quickly have the partnerships as well as add-on and acquisitions to react to quickly the top needs is allowing us to really drive additional growth in the market based on what is the most important thing for our districts. And you're absolutely right, if you think about from a school district's perspective, there are a lot of urban school districts who are worried about how do I get my enrollment and how do I get more attendance? So attendance intervention really speaks to that and that's why you're seeing good growth. There's a lot of discussion about curriculum and making sure that teachers have a standardized curriculum so you can you know, be compliant with the state policy. That's driving a lot of curriculum. And as you talk about SCL and behavior, there are still a lot of kids who are still struggling from the social emotional side and giving them the support. So we are really addressing the most important thing that our districts care about. That makes sense. Thank you. And then just a second one for me quickly. Wanted to dig into the full year guidance a little bit. I realize people have asked asked about this in a few different ways, but um, just to clarify, is there any portion of the like eight million dollar increase in full year guidance that's coming from outside of those two acquisitions you did? Um so as you yeah as you, as you think about majority of it is going to be acquisition related so um, you know and I think while Kelly it's a good question I think what's important too um, you know while I'm addressing this is you think about you know the full year is absolutely in line with our expectations what's important to understand though there has been a mixed shift if you will between the categories so our services business given the fact that we've gotten more productive and more efficient as a team you know, services, you know, is coming in lower than our original expectations. That's absolutely good because the team's being more efficient and productive, and obviously that revenue comes with a bit lower of a margin as well. Um, as you look at the full year, though, I think it's important, you know, and, and Hardeep and I look at not just the substance support, but then also the L&O because we look at that as the, if you will, the software component of the revenue pie. That's still going to be in the low double digits um, growth from a, from a full year perspective. So a bit of a mixed shift across some of the components, um, but again, you know, as you, as you think about the full year, it's, it's very much in line with our expectations. Makes sense, thank you. The next question is from Matt Hedberg with RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. 
Uh, great, guys. Thanks for taking my question. Um, Hardy, earlier on in the call, you I think you said uh, you talked about some Gen AI um, SKUs uh, products that were uh, kind of just rolled out this quarter. I'm sort of curious, could you comment on you know, any sort of thoughts on like pricing or adoption or just how we should think about the, you know, the eventual, obviously it'd probably be slow at first, but, but just kind of how do we think about the monetization side of, of that? Great point, Matt. And we are really excited about some of the innovation we're putting on GenAI. I think uh, when you look at from what we're seeing as uh, not just the differentiation in the market, but also from our ability to really do this at scale, and embedded into the current applications these our districts are already used to, we have a very unique proposition uh, for, for school districts, and that's why we're getting a lot of strong interest from multiple of districts and even uh, some state level. Um, and one, one of the things what you will uh, see is that these are individual areas of, uh, you know, one of the products we talked about in a performance matters. I want to be able to have new items and want to be able to create quiz. Well, we are, you know, making a GA of that product. I want to be able to create a full lesson plan. I want to have a tutoring help for my kids within Schoology. Well, that's going to be, again, add-on to a Schoology. Uh, we will have an add-on for Connected Intelligence Unified Insights because I want to be able to assess quickly uh, the data and have GenAI help me assess and find the areas rather than me navigating. So that's going to be an add-on to our, all of our data products. Uh, we're launching similarly on our parent side and within my PowerSquare and School Messenger, having a whole parent communication GenAI tool, so which allows you to engage with the parents in a way that your parents can actually uh, talk to the kid, uh, be able to use GenAI to understand how they can support their child and, the, and interact with the school. So these are phenomenal opportunities, even with the bigger picture outside of the personalized homework, which is a huge opportunity for coaching for teachers. We are, these are all going to be add-on with multi-million dollar product lines over the next couple of years, and you will start seeing monetization of that similar to the, how we monetize our other products, a couple of dollars per student. And on top of that is the data strategy. As I talked about, our connected intelligence is becoming the choice of platform for districts for their AI strategy. So we've been supporting a broader AI marketplace of how any district who's a power school district wants to use another AI tool, they will use our platform on data as a way to enable their AI strategy. So we'll be able to monetize that whole connected intelligence at these districts as well. Super exciting, Ardeep. Thanks, thanks for all the color and, and uh, well done on the quarter, guys. Excellent. Thank you. The next question is from Joe Vruink with Baird. Please go ahead. Uh, great. I, I wanted to follow up on the big talent management deal in Florida. Um, I think recently PowerSchool and some of your peers have mentioned the back office solutions like human capital and ERP. That's maybe been an area put on the back burner uh, in 2023, but you see it in your pipeline that there's pent-up demand. Would you say the activity in 3Q is an indication maybe the pent-up demand is starting to unlock, or is it too soon to make that declaration? Uh, good question. So I think when sometimes we, we do club both the talent piece and ERP because that's typically sold to the HR and the CFO, so they kind of, you know, from our buying perspective, that's a common buyer. So when we group them, our solutions and clouds by buyers, you kind of see them uh, grouped up. But when you look at the talent by itself, this is recruiting teachers, onboarding them, professional development of teachers, substitute teachers, those product lines actually have been going double digit consistently. In fact, I shared that if you look at year to date of new business, that has grown more than 20%. So we have been able to see double digit growth on our talent product consistently 
even prior to pandemic, during pandemic, even in post-pandemic, that continues to be very healthy. Some of the innovation we have put actually is now allowing us to even displace our nearest competitor, like in the case of Florida. And we are actually seeing good traction on, on that, that we are becoming clear leader for talent products in the, in the market in K-12. Now, ERP is a market which still has been slow, and post, uh, while we saw good traction pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, it has really gone slow, and that continues to track to be in the low single digits. We do expect that 70% of the market being still legacy as districts come out of their, uh, you know, uh, their overall and get to a normal cadence. We are starting seeing some opportunities, and I think it will be a couple of years before we start really the, the growth there. Uh, but we do see pockets within there that could be very interesting for us for immediate need in the near future, which we are uh, tracking. Okay, thanks, thanks, Hardeep. Um, and then I wanted to ask: it's two big quarters in a row of license strength. I, I know this isn't really a strategic emphasis, but you know, just the sheer magnitude of some of these deals. I mean, with license, you do get follow-on support contracts typically, so there is a recurring component that comes. I'm just wondering if you're seeing any decided shift in kind of buying preference where licenses might be in vogue for a period of time, and if it gives you a good relationship at a strategic account, we could actually see more license activity over the next year. Yeah, so Joe, it's I'll take that. Um, so, I, you know, I think you guys know, obviously, in this quarter, there was about four and a half or so million dollars related to Puerto Rico um, that we kind of you know, previously been talking about. Um, but aside from that, you know, there are deals, you know, such as, you know, LAUSD, where it, it was a strategic uh, discussion, you know, with the customer, and it was, you know, more or less their desire in terms of how they wanted to, you know, utilize the uh, the software. Um, I think what I would say, I'm not sure it's going to be uh, an emerging trend, if you will, but, you know, from our standpoint, you know, we always will take the customer's consideration in and, and you know, if there's a deal that's most appropriately structured where it's more of a point-in-time um, type transaction, we'll absolutely do it. Um, but, you know, LNO, even internally, is probably the hardest number for us to forecast because these items can be from any one quarter, can be a little bit higher or lower. Um, depending upon, you know, when they actually happen in the quarter. So um, we're going to continue to monitor it, but I, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, leave the call thinking that, hey, there's going to be a, a tremendous amount of L&O next year because I just, I, we just don't see it. There's going to be one-off deals from time to time, and we absolutely will be very transparent with the street in terms of, you know, what those deals are and why they happen. Um, but we don't necessarily see it as more of a, a pervasive trend. Okay, uh, great. Thank you very much. Joe. The next question is from Brett Nobloff with Cantor Fitzgerald. Please go ahead. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my question. Um, just curious as to the historic, I guess maybe historical acquisitions you guys have made, how they've played out from a growth perspective. I know the main focus is going to be on integrating, but I guess when do you normally begin to turn on the upsell motion to existing customers? Is that something we should, you know, expect to happen maybe come through Q of next year? I think that's when those renewals occur. Yeah, so, you know, Brett, I think it's a good question. And what I would say is it will depend on the type of um, acquisition we make. So where we make smaller technical tuck-ins, um, you know, whether it's like a Kinvolved or a Kickboard or a Chalk, those pretty much happen the next quarter. And, you know, putting those into our sales distribution engine, you know, we get an immediate pop on those. 
when you're talking about, you know, um, a strategic asset like School Messenger, you know, we're absolutely focused first and foremost on integrating the product and getting the team settled. It's a, it's a sizable team that we've acquired as well, making sure that all of the, the operational elements are in place. Um, meanwhile, our, our sales team is certainly building their plans in the pipeline and all of that. So I would say that, you know, the business momentum will continue. You'll start to probably see an uptick in that particular space, most likely in the second half of next year. As you mentioned, when we start seeing the renewals activity and, and a lot of the integration work is behind us. Perfect. Thanks, Ed. You're welcome. Thanks, Brian. The next question is from Fred Havenmeyer with Macquarie. Please go ahead. Hey, thank you very much. Um, I think I wanted to, to clarify something from a little bit earlier there, Eric. Did I, I might have misheard this too. Did, uh, did I hear that the Puerto Rico deal was coming across in the license revenue line this quarter? So just just the scanner, the hardware part of it was. Um, there's obviously a, uh, yeah. So that's the only piece. There, there's obviously a, a services component of it as well as a subscription piece that came into the quarter. Got it. And I wanted to ask, uh, last quarter, I think we were talking about how implementation times could lead to some subscription revenues, um, particularly larger deals, uh, lagging ARR. So I wanted to ask, you know, is that a, a persistent trend that's tracking this quarter as well? Uh, not this quarter necessarily. I mean, the, you know, because typically you'll see that when you have extraordinarily large deals, um, like a Puerto Rico where it's, you know, 250,000 students, large SIS implementation, you know, you'll see the ARR recognized much quicker than the actual system gets turned over to, uh, um, to, to the region and then they start using it. So that was more pronounced, um, you know, previously when you, as you look at Q2, Q3, uh, but we haven't seen deals of that size which would cause that um, that delay, if you will, between ARR and revenue. Got it. Thank you, Eric. And then, Hardeep, you know, I, I spent a while on my end reading through the White House's AI executive order, and they spent at least a portion of it talking about their interest in generative AI and foreign policy there, which will take place over the next year and change. So just curious if you have any initial thoughts about how the uh, White House and U.S. government might be approaching generative AI. Thank you. Or in generative AI in education specifically. Thank you. Yeah, sure, sure, Fred. And, and just maybe adding to the last question first, uh, Fred, I think it's very exciting to Eric's point about some of the big implementations that we've already achieved in the last quarter. So something to call out. Uh, you know, we went live with Puerto Rico in record time, which is one of the biggest implementation of SIS in about seven months. Uh, and uh, think about the complexity in Puerto Rico with 270,000 students, every parent using our system for the latest report, report card. You know, so it's phenomenal stride, which is another phenomenal go live on the multiple of their school, uh, schools with the full virtual schools, Marif in Saudi Arabia, uh, you know. So we had some very, and, and Alabama with our insights and LA with our connected intelligence. So some very exciting go lives as well, which actually uh, this quarter was very, very uh, timely. I think to your point about the generative AI, we are very much plugged into the, the you know, uh, the policy as well as the ethics and the, the, you know, the making sure that there is not a bias in the generative AI. In fact, one of the strengths of PowerSchool strategy compared to a lot of, uh, you know, companies who will either come from non-K-12 or don't have the data or relationship with the district is that they, they don't have the opportunity to really factor in the district policies, the state standards, as well as the 
to be able to uh, do this at scale and provide the assurance that this is going to have the broader policy uh, elements uh, factored in. And that makes a huge advantage for us in our strategy. So we are seeing not just districts and state, but even charter schools and uh, char CMOs and, and uh, private schools who are actually looking at us to be their partner in helping up shape that strategy to make sure they roll out these AIs in the right way. And having starting with the data strategy to make sure that the data elements that are being used are, uh, you know, uh, there is uh, identification and all the elements of those are factored in. And then looking at the, the experience around how they can take advantage of the generative AI. So we are really in a very unique advantage position to be able to support districts to be able to align to the federal policies as well. Thank you. The next question is from Koji Ikeda with Bank of America Securities. Please go ahead. Hey, this is George McGree and on for Koji. Um, thanks for taking the question. Uh, I was wondering, you know, if you could kind of talk about uh, when you look at the cohort of districts that have adopted several products and maybe the cohort that's, um, you know, has, has fewer fewer than several, um, could you talk about, you know, are there any kind of differences there just in kind of like, the uh, any commonalities between those cohorts and then kind of wh what um, what you kind of do to help drive um, that upsell? This is a great question. In fact, we tackled this at length in our investor day where we talked about if you think about 20% of our customers are contributing right now to 60% of AR, and these are the customers who are actually using four plus products. And when you look at over the last, uh, you know, couple of uh, years, over the last four years, we have grown that base by 34%. So double of our 17% growth overall has been over the last four years. So to your point, there is a very specific cohort around when you have more than four plus products, you're gonna actually do more growth and you're gonna buy faster with us and you're gonna get more value. So there is a lot of interest from, uh, you know, but the exciting also part is 80% of our customers still doesn't have four plus products. So as we get more of our customers entrenched with one or two more products, get them into that cohort, we see acceleration of growth. So a big uh, you know, focus for us with the clouds as well as go-to-market is getting more of our customers adopted on multiple products. Okay, thank you. This concludes our question and answer session. I would like to turn the conference back over to Hardeep Gulati for any closing remarks. Uh, thank you, operator. Thank you again for uh, everyone for joining us today. We are really looking forward to an exciting uh, finishing uh, of 2023. Uh, as you saw, a very strong quarter uh, with uh, both uh, beat on guidance on revenue and EBITDA. We are really uh, looking at how we can continue to execute uh, into not just 2023, but at 2024, and continue to deliver on the double-digit growth we shared uh, at our investor day, um, and with our path to a billion dollar in, uh, in the next three years, uh, both on top line and also 36 person plus on our EBITDA profile, uh, we, which we talked about. So runway for power school is very exciting. As uh, we talked about, we less than 6 percent penetrated, huge opportunity, and our innovation is going to set our time even to be phenomenally bigger. Really uh, want to thank all of our uh, power school team, our customers, and our investors for uh, continuing to uh, tr believe in us that allowing us to really transform education and bring personalized education to every child. Thank you, everyone. The conference is now concluded. Thank you for attending today's presentation. You may now disconnect.